So speaking, communicating, delivering information, or connecting with humanity to leave an impactful message. These are the things that I have been bringing so many experts onto the show because ultimately I am trying to help you as a C-suite leader of today or tomorrow be more influential, be able to get your point across and move organizations forward and struggle less. And when I asked this question of Neil Thompson about flow, when one gets into flow, when they're delivering information, their content, their story, it is a beautiful thing because you know it, you know your information is coming across. And the true signal is when you see the body language of the people, when they're leaning in, when their eyes are fixed on you, when they're nodding, and you almost can hear them say, Amen. And so Neil really, really breaks apart in a very simple way. What does it take to break down whatever the presentation is that you're doing into simple steps? It's so easy, but takes a lifetime to own. But just know there is a process by which if you have been struggling to get your message across, you're going to really, really enjoy this conversation I had with Neil Thompson. It is so practical to be able to move you as a professional from simply somebody delivering information to somebody who has a powerful impact. Let's listen. When it comes to giving presentations, I'm a firm believer that you need to have the end in mind when you start preparing for it. You want to know what your call to action is. What do you want the audience to do after the presentation? Once you figure that out, you work backwards to figure out what your presentation is going to be. That's how you determine what the bullet points are, because the bullet points feed into that call to action. That's how you figure out what the introduction is, because the introduction feeds into the bullet points, which feeds into the call to action. So once you figure that out, everything kind of figures itself out. That call to action Once you know what that is and you're able to determine what the bullet points and the order in which the bullet points should come, the stories you perhaps want to incorporate into the bullet points because people like to hear stories. I think once you figure that out and practice it to make sure that you say everything you want to say within time, you say the bullet points in the order you want to say them without really having to think about them. Hopefully you know your stories because especially if they happen to you and then you ended off with that call to action. I think that's probably the best way to get in that type of flow. Welcome to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I'm Deb Coviello, and as the Drop-In CEO, I drop into businesses and assume the CEO role to enhance the human element and increase the results they achieve. This podcast is about bringing you conversations with expert guests who have achieved their greatest results built on a strong foundation of purpose, values, and elevating people. If you're a business leader, entrepreneur, or even just getting started in business, join us as we build the skills you need to achieve your goals. Hello, I am Deb Coviello, founder of the Drop-In CEO brand, and I just want to thank you again for joining me on another amazing episode. Week after week, I get to speak to really, really, really interesting people and bring their insights and inspiration to you. And if you love this episode, and I know you will, please subscribe, rate, review, and download. Please download. We love downloads from you so we can continue to bring great programming and just know on a personal note, I am here to help C-Suite leaders of today and tomorrow navigate your challenges with confidence. 
And now today it is my honor to share the mic with my repeat guest, fantastic guest, Neil Thompson. Neil Thompson, founder of Teach the Geek, is an engineer who works with technical professionals so they can present more effectively, especially in front of non-technical audiences. He hosts a podcast, the Teach the Geek podcast. I've had the good fortune of being on it, interviewing technical professionals about their public speaking journeys. He is also the author of the book, Teach the Geek to Speak, a no-fluff public speaking guide for STEM professionals. And oh my, this is going to be a great interview. Neil, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Deb. So Neil... You never know what you're going to get. He's like a box of chocolates. Whenever I have a conversation with him, we go down a path, but he also then takes me around a corner or two. You never know what he's going to say. But what I love, love, love about Neil is while he may be a straight shooter, he's a STEM technical professional. I love for him to share his story with you, but he is a disruptor. You have to listen to what he says, because when you're least expected, he's going to ask you a question to think differently and get you to think more critically. And I think we as leaders need to be more curious, ask better questions, be better critical thinkers. You're going to get it from the best, Neil. Tell us a little bit about yourself personally and the journey that you've been on. Sure. Well, I am the founder of Teach the Geek. And what I do is I work with technical professionals so they can present more effectively, especially in front of non-technical audiences. And the whole idea of Teach the Geek came from me working in the medical device industry as a product development engineer. This was my second job. I took the job thinking that I was going to be a product development engineer. At least that's what they said at the interview. <laughs> and then a few months into the job, I was told I was going to be a project lead. So what's a project lead? The company was too cheap to hire project managers. So they pushed that responsibility onto the product development engineers, one of which was giving project status updates in front of senior management on a monthly basis. And those first few presentations I had to give were absolutely horrendous, Deb. I did not know it was possible to sweat that profusely from one's body, but (laughs) there you had it. I mean, it was coming out of everywhere. And I realized that the presentations weren't all that good because after the presentations, I would get questions from the audience that I thought I had answered during the presentation. But in hindsight now, I know that because I wasn't putting things in a way that they could understand that I was getting these questions I'm starting to sweat even more than I was before the presentation started. And it was just a mess for everybody. It was a waste of time for everyone. And eventually, my project that I was brought into the company to do was canceled. So that was the wake-up call that I needed to really get better at giving presentations in front of other people. I mean, I thought I was going to be out of a job. Luckily, I was just moved on to other projects. But that definitely was the catalyst for me to know that maybe getting better in terms of speaking in front of others was something that was worthwhile. And what I did to do that was I joined Toastmasters. For those of you all that don't know, it's an international organization whose goal is to help people in becoming more comfortable public speaking. And even when I left that job and I took on other jobs at other companies, I joined a Toastmasters in the area. And it's a great forum to practice giving presentations. The one issue I suppose I would have with Toastmasters is it was very much about the art of giving presentations. It wasn't really about the messaging. So, for instance, if you're someone who's a technical professional, you have to give certain types of presentations. For instance, I had to give project status updates. So if I was to give a project status update in front of a Toastmasters group, they probably would mention if they were to give any sort of feedback, maybe they'd say you didn't use your hands enough or you didn't use the space enough. You didn't move around enough. A lot of nonverbal communication type of feedback you'd likely get. But when you're talking in front of the CEO, the CTO, the CMO, C fill in the blank O, 
they only care about your hand gestures or you moving around giving a project status update. They care more about the information and if you're conveying it in a way that they can take in. And so that's really what crystallized in my mind something that would help people like myself, people that work in the STEM fields, scientists, engineers, technical types, and having to give presentations in front of non-technical audiences. What can we do to make that better for both parties? And that's essentially where Teach the Geek started. And then as you mentioned, you were a guest on my podcast. So I started a podcast and a YouTube channel. Actually, the YouTube channel came first. The podcast came later. The podcast actually was an idea of a former guest. He said, you know, when people are driving, they may not be able to watch the YouTube channel. You should start a podcast. Just take the audio and make it a podcast. I said, good idea. I'll do that. <laughs> but essentially what it is, is people like yourself, people like me, people that come from STEM backgrounds talking about their public speaking journeys. That's what it started off as. And that's what it is still to a large degree. But then it ended up even being better because now I get to talk to people about their career journeys. In many cases, that's even more interesting than the public speaking journey because you have some people that start off one place and end up somewhere completely different. There's a woman that I had on my podcast named Christine Vartanian, and I mention this story all the time. I message her every now and then tell her about all the times that I talk about our interview and just about her story. She got a degree in civil engineering, never worked as one though. She went to law school right after. She was a attorney for five years, and then she was a stay-at-home mom for about 10 years, and now she works as a personal stylist, you know, civil engineer to personal stylist. I mean, you don't hear that kind of story every day. That's really been what's been interesting to me about the podcast. So essentially, that's what Teach the Geek is. I, I help people like me get better in, in presenting in front of others so they can get the results they want. Oh, so inspiring. I love the story, and it brings up such terrible memories. <laughs> I have always loved to speak, but I remember a time when I was last semester senior year as a biomedical engineer. I had already gotten my job. I kind of knew the content. I had to give a presentation and I sweated <laughs> and I lost my voice. I don't know what it was, but I think something about I knew the information, but my heart wasn't in it. So the message just came out as a mess. And I swore, I swore I would never be in that place again. And I too got into Toastmasters with my first job as an engineer at a major aerospace company. I said, I got to do something. I'm good at information sharing, but being comfortable and technically developing and getting people to listen, <laughs> that takes a while to hone those skills. But I want to just ask you a little bit deeper because I want people to really kind of like sink into this conversation. You talk about the difference between presenting information and then conveying a message that the audience hears versus asking the question again. Can you give us kind of an example of what it is to present information versus messaging it and making a connection? Well, a couple of months ago, I attended a conference that was non-technical in nature. It's the first conference I'd ever attended that was that way. When I worked as an engineer, I attended almost exclusively, actually exclusively, technically-based conferences. And the difference was apparent to me. So when I went to this non-technical conference a couple of months ago, the speakers were very motivational, inspirational in nature. And I got the sense that the people in the audience were really into that kind of thing. And because for pretty much all of the speakers, once they were done, they got standing ovations. So they were very good at emoting to the audience, making people feel something. And so people feel happy, sad. I mean, people were crying. Some of these presentations, people were cheering in some certain parts. So by the time they were done, they would stand up and give standing ovations, almost every one. And I give a standing ovation, Deb. 
I sat in my seat each time because I was thinking to myself, I was kind of hoping that I would get something from this presentation more than I feel something, something that I could actually use. I can't use a feeling. I actually wanted to get information. <laughs> you know, when I typically when I go to presentations, I'll bring a, a book and a pen and I write things down that I take away from them. I don't tend to write down feelings, though. I, I tend to write down more you know, implementable information. And so the big difference between that and the conferences that I went to for the technically based conferences when I was an engineer is they're very technically based. It was very much conveying information that the people in the audience wanted to hear. The problem with those conferences, though, is that the people giving the presentations tended to not be the best at conveying that information. So it'd be a whole lot of technical jargon, a whole lot of reading slides, just not even looking at the audience, <laughs> essentially not being very good at, well, presenting. <laughs> <laughs> so how could we bring the two together? So you have somebody who is technically proficient in what they have to say, but they're proficient also at conveying that information in a way that the people in the audience can take in. and. That's really what I've been working on with people and just trying to figure out what that balance is. And because it could be the difference between getting a project approved and a project not approved. It could be the difference between if you're a founder, a technical founder of a company, getting investor funding or not getting investor funding. Because in a lot of cases, you're, you're talking to people outside of your field of expertise, people that are non-technical. So you want to convey the information in a way that's true to you and, and true to whatever you're, you're working on, whatever you're doing. But you also want to make sure that the people that are listening can really take it in because if they can't, the presentation was for not. It was really a presentation that was, that was useless to yourself and also the people you're talking to. And it's a fine balance. It's, it's one that, to be very honest, I'm always trying to refine and, and, and just make better. You know, one of the things you say, while well, this is a conversation about being able to more effectively communicate information that has an impact that people may want to take an action or a decision or think differently. Every bit of this applies to this daily conversation. It could be in an email. It could be in a meeting. You are always on trying to get some kind of outcome, whether it's buy-in, a decision, an agreement on data. It is always about the exchange of information, connecting with people and trying to move something forward, influence, inspire, action. It's all about movement. But I got to ask you a question because like you say, you started out at Toastmasters. Now you are the guru, the teach, the geek, and obviously you're still on a journey. But when was it for you that you finally put all the pieces together, both by practice, Toastmasters experience, where then you then delivered information that had a message and impact? What was that time or events? And I'm sorry, how did you feel? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to bring feelings in here yeah, just a little bit. Yeah, okay, no problem. <laughs> but I suppose it would be my journey in Toastmasters. It was an ongoing thing. When I joined Toastmasters, I knew it was a public speaking-based organization. And there are certain speeches that you have to give within Toastmasters to become, they call a competent communicator. And they have a whole bunch of other booklets that you can work through and different types of speeches that they ask you to give in those booklets. And what I really noticed was whenever I would give these speeches, you know, based on whatever the booklet said to give in terms of what the speech was supposed to be about, the feedback that I got was very, I don't want to say surface level, but it had mostly to do with nonverbal communication. And while helpful, it wasn't what I was hoping to get. But then looking back on it, I don't think it was appropriate 
reasonable for me to expect to get what I wanted to get from that particular audience. I was working as a product development engineer at the time, and there are certain presentations that I had to give. And the people in the audience at these Toastmasters groups were not typically the type of audience that I would give these presentations to. So the feedback I would get from them, while helpful in, in a sense, wasn't as helpful as I hoped it could be. And that really was, I mentioned, the catalyst for even starting Teach the Geek. It was people like myself, we have this technical information that we have to convey, but how can we convey it in such a way that people that we have to talk to can understand? You know, I mentioned earlier, if you're a founder, you have to talk to investors. If you're someone like me, you have to talk to senior management. You know, when I worked as an engineer, there are certain things that you have to be able to explain to them. And actually, even thinking about that, it reminded me of what I ended up doing when I was a product development engineer, having to give these presentations in front of management to figure out what do I need to say in front of these people for them to actually be engaged. What I ended up doing was going to their administrative assistants, you know, all these senior level people, they have admins. It's very difficult to get time with the actual management type because they're busy, but you can likely get some time with the admin, go and ask them, what kind of information does your boss need to hear in this presentation for him to be engaged and to listen to what I actually have to say? And they have a lot of great insights and you just take all that in and put it into your presentation. And that really helps in keeping the attention of these management type people. It's been a journey for sure, just kind of trying to figure all of this out, but it certainly is worthwhile because oftentimes if you're a scientist, you're a tech type, you're an engineer, you have this technical expertise, but if you can't present it in a way that people can take in, then it's going to be useless to everybody. And you're not going to move up in organizations too. The people that tend to move up in organizations are the ones that are able to communicate well with others, the ones that are able to build bridges with others, network, that type of thing. It's People that the decision makers noticed. You can't be that engineer or scientist sitting at your desk thinking that you're going to be noticed because you do great work. Other people are doing great work too, I'm certain. But if the decision makers don't know this because you're not saying it, well, then you can't be all that mad because they don't notice you, especially if you've got other people who are just as technically proficient as you doing that self-advocacy for themselves. You have just given me or given our audience one of the most actionable tips that are really, really helpful in this. Sometimes people say, oh, you're playing politics, you're playing into their hand. No, it is just being super smart about trying to get the information you need to be able to have a greater impact. And the mere fact that you said, speak to their admin, speak to the person maybe that they have coffee with, speak to somebody that is very close to them and gain insight because what happens is then when you add that value <laughs> to the content, even if you haven't changed your communication style, they're just waiting for their ears to be perked up to say, oh, okay, so they're talking about what the investment's going to be and how long is it going to take to get an ROI. You've at least addressed some concerns. You've drawn them in. It builds a little bit of credibility because you were communicating what maybe they were thinking. So very actionable, a little stealth, but also you get data to be able to have a greater impact. Yeah, I mean, you put that really well. <laughs> I appreciate you for taking my words and distilling it down to what you did. You're absolutely right. Why would you even want somebody else to be the person that is the advocate for you anyway? I mean, you're probably going to advocate for yourself better than anybody else. And not only that, why would you expect anyone to be taking that kind of attention away from themselves and putting it on you? I think that's rather self-absorbed. <laughs> no. And again, I love these actionable tips. Now, I got to ask you another question because 
And I don't know if it is or isn't appropriate, but we talk about having the right information in your presentation as a STEM professional, having to try to get some kind of result. I've seen in some of your teaching, make sure that you're well prepared and you practice and somehow have your bullet points on your hand, just have the key messages somewhere. But talk to me about what is it like to go from just presenting information to being in flow. And flow could be you're just on a roll, you're in your own head, you're delivering the information, and it just comes out so fluidly. Just talk to me about that process from being here's the information to it's just coming out and I feel like I eloquently delivered the information because the body language is leaning into what you're saying and you get the right result. Talk to me a little bit about that. When it comes to giving presentations, I'm a firm believer that you need to have the end in mind when you start preparing for it. So you want to know what your call to action is. What do you want the audience to do after the presentation? Once you figure that out, you work backwards to figure out what your presentation is going to be. That's how you determine what the bullet points are, because the bullet points feed into that call to action. That's how you figure out what the introduction is, because the introduction feeds into the bullet points, which feeds into the call to action. So once you figure that out, everything kind of figures itself out. That call to action, once you know what that is and you're able to determine what the bullet points are and and the order in which the bullet points should come, the stories you perhaps want to incorporate into the bullet points, because people like to hear stories. I remember when I first started giving presentations, I thought that storytelling in technical presentations wasn't appropriate. But it's very appropriate and you should make them appropriate because a lot of times the technical data is pretty dry, (laughs) not all that interesting. It might be interesting to you, but someone from outside your field of expertise, perhaps not as much. So if you were able to couch that data within a story, that would be a lot more easier to keep people's attention. And then you could figure out what the introduction to what type of introduction would make sense to introduce those bullet points. And then I think once you figure that out and practice it to make sure that you say everything you want to say within time, you say the bullet points in the order you want to say them without really having to think about them. Hopefully you know your stories because especially if they happen to you, (laughs) I mean, you should should know yourself well enough to know what your stories are. And then you ended off with that call to action, which is what you worked on and developed from the beginning you know, in the first place. I think that's probably the best way to get in that type of flow. You know, I give presentations on tips that people can use to give better technical presentations. And at this point, the stories are so dialed in, the points are so dialed in, the call to action is so dialed in that I may just have to run through it once, maybe once or twice. And and even when I do that, it's just to make sure that I'm within the time. Because sometimes I get a 20-minute presentation, sometimes it's 45 minutes, sometimes it's 60. So just being able to Sometimes you need to switch things out. Obviously, if you're doing 20 minutes, you're going to have less information than 60 minutes. So you may have to take things out. Which parts do you take out so that it still makes sense and it's still impactful to the people in the audience? Just figuring all that out, then you'll get in that flow state. So thank you for that. And again, it's a beautiful place when you are that confident in what you're doing and you're confident you you have constructed it, reverse engineered it, and then created a strategic plan going forward that it should naturally flow. Flow comes with, and I think once you get to that place and you see people leaning into it and then maybe not giving you a standing ovation, but at least asking questions at the end versus deflecting, deferring, it's not in the budget, we can't do that. If they at least engage in conversation with you, it means that you've connected with them, you're having some kind of impact, either negative or positive. When you get those kinds of conversations, you know that you've nailed at least some kind of messaging that you were trying to do. 
But what I would really love now is because I'm super jazzed about what you do. It is so necessary. And I think anybody out there can always learn new speaking tips, ways to get your message across. But I think really the value is in the stories, as you said. So I would love to know a story, whether it was a presentation you gave, anything where you had an opportunity to share your insights, your tactics with somebody or a group. And how did it come full circle? How did you impact them? I'd like to know. Well, I mean, when it came to those, even those project status update meetings, perhaps something I should say about the company I worked for. So it was a spinal device company, but the group that I belonged to was a new group to the company. So a lot of of implants are made out of metal, ceramics, but they can also be made out of human cadaver bone. (laughs) Yeah. So I worked in the group that made the spinal implants out of human cadaver bone, and it was a new group to the company. So a lot of times when I was talking about the project progress, I was talking about things that many people in the audience had never really heard because, as I mentioned, it was a new group to the company. So a lot of the stories I would talk about would be about that whole journey or the whole process of working in that group. So one of the things that was different about our group is because our material came from human cadaver bone, we'd have to visit tissue banks. So for those of you all who are organ donors, when you die, perhaps your bones will be sent to a tissue bank and perhaps they'll be used to make spinal implants. Now, going to a tissue bank is an experience in and of itself. It's unlike something you've ever done because the smell of bone being cut is a smell you'll never get out of your nose. It'll stay there forever. And it's not a pleasant smell. It's not pleasant smell at all. And you see all the fat that they have to get rid of out of the bone. People, especially now, we have an obesity crisis in the West. So there's a whole lot of fat that you need to get out to get rid of. It's all slimy and yellowy and gross looking. I mean, it's an experience. It's definitely different than the experience of making an implant out of a metal like titanium or a ceramic. So even just talking about giving, telling stories about trips to the tissue bank was very engaging to the people that were in the audience because it was unlike something they've ever heard before. And if you really want to keep people's attention, tell them stories about things that perhaps they've never experienced. I mean, a lot of the the words even that we use within my group were foreign to the people in in the audience. Bone is made out of a certain number of cell types, two of which are osteoblasts and osteoclasts. These are not words that you use in regular parlance. You know, just in your regular in your regular day talking about osteoblast. So we had a lot of explaining, a lot of just providing information, preliminary information up front as to what we were even talking about. An osteoblast is a bone forming cell and an osteoclast is a bone resorbing cell, for, for those of you all who are interested in, in, in knowing. But that type of information would be what we would need to tell the audience first to keep them engaged, but also to keep them informed. Because if we keep using that term osteoblast and osteoclast, they may not even know what it means. And in some cases, they may not even ask. I remember when I was once at a presentation, <laughs> it was a marketing presentation. I worked as a product development engineer. I knew very little about marketing. And they're using all these terms like upstream marketing and downstream marketing. I'm like, upstream, downstream? I'm thinking about lakes and rivers. But they're <laughs> not talking about lakes and rivers or bodies of water. They're talking about marketing. I don't know what that means. And I'm looking around and it looks like everybody else knows. So I, I'm kind of I don't want to ask what does upstream and downstream marketing mean because I don't want to get an idiot in front of all these other people. And you really don't want to put people in that position when you're giving presentations. You want to be able to explain terms that perhaps they may not know using words that they do know. So in the event that they didn't know what that term meant, they at least get an analogy or a comparison to something that they do know. 
so that they can go on listening to the presentation and actually taking in what you have to say. So this is all part and parcel of, of what I, I like to talk about with Teach the Geek and on my online course, Teach the Geek to Speak, and just conveying the importance of using words that people in your audience will know. And by doing that, you are able to keep their attention. If nothing else, what you just said there is you provide an opportunity to educate. Even if there's no call to action that a person can take, you have taken a moment of their time and provided some education. Whether they use it or not, you at least care and respect about them using the osteoplast. (laughs) And I can't even repeat it, but then just taking that sidestep to say, this is what it means. This is where it derived from. This is why it's important. And then bring them back in. You've at least broken up the messaging, taken them offline, got them back on the wagon, brought them back in. And they feel like, oh, I learned something today. Oh, I might Google it afterwards. Again, all of this is how to engage people in the conversation, whether they like it or not. You've taken them on a journey and hopefully gotten the impact that you want. There's so much what you talk about is so practical. I hope people listening have taken a lot of notes. And if you're driving, don't take notes, but just when you get a chance, there are so many actionable tips. But I've really enjoyed getting to know you. I've had you even as a speaker at one of my organizations. I want people to really say, let me check out your work. Let me bring him to speak at my event or something like that. But I just also want to know what's in the future for you. I mean, I know you're just go with the flow. You like what you're doing. But like, if I were to call you back onto the show in a year from now, what would Neil be doing or aspiring to be doing? Well, I have a children's book and it's not affiliated with Teach the Geek because it's for children and Teach the Geek is for adults. But it's kind of related in the sense that the book is about my nephew asking me why his hair is the way it is. And I use science to answer the question. The name of the book is Ask Uncle Neil, Why Is My Hair Curly? And when I put the book together, the goal of it really was to encourage children to consider careers in STEM. And I'm very careful about that goal and and the words that I use to describe the goal. The goal of the book is not to promote STEM. It's not to tell kids that they need to go into STEM. It's not to tell kids in certain groups that your group is underrepresented in STEM, so you should go into STEM. Because ultimately, you go into something that you're interested in and willing to do the work to get to. But it's just to consider it. It's to know that it's an option for you if you care to use it. So if you were to interview me in a a year from now, I likely would have written another book because the goal was always to have it be a series in which my nephew asks me a question and I use science to answer the question. Even when I think about the book, it it reminds me of a LinkedIn post that I put up maybe a, a week or so ago about going into engineering and the reasons to do it. Because oftentimes, I mean, I listen to a lot of podcasts too. And and when people are asked why they went into engineering, sometimes they'll say, well, I had a teacher or a guidance counselor who said, you were good at math, you're good at physics, do engineering. I mean, you could be good at both, but isn't necessarily a reason to go into engineering. I mean, you need to find out what are the requirements to go into engineering? Did they even tell you? I mean, what kind of classes do you have to take to qualify or be prepared to endure an engineering curriculum. Engineering is likely, at least in my opinion, one of the more difficult undergraduate degrees to get. And then once you end up in an engineering school, what kind of classes can you expect to take? And are you willing to put in the work to get through all those classes? Because a lot of those classes are mandatory. You can't skip them. At least when I went to school, there are very few electives. So these are things you just have to get through. And then when you're done, I mean, what kind of jobs do engineers do? Are these jobs that you care to do? I remember I had a guest on my podcast. This was pretty early on. And she said she went through an entire mechanical engineering degree program. 
And at the end of it, she still didn't really know what mechanical engineers do. What a waste. (laughs) (laughs) Can you imagine? I mean, you went through a whole program, not really sure if this was something that you wanted to do when you were done. And I mentioned it was one of the more difficult ones to do. So if you're going to put in that type of time and energy to get that type of degree, you should be pretty sure about what you want to do with it. That's why I'm a big fan of, of my goal of just knowing it's an option and knowing that you don't have to take that option if you don't want to. If you choose something else, that's a valid option too. Really don't like the, the messaging that many, I think many put out there is go into engineering. We need more engineers. If you're from this particular group, your group isn't represented that well in engineering, go into it. I mean, you'll be miserable if you're going into something because you were enamored with it in the first place. Perhaps you even did the program, you got through it, you started working as an engineer and you realized, I hate this. I don't like this at all. And then you end up going into marketing. (laughs) You know, I can so relate to that because I studied biomedical engineering. I think we've got similar backgrounds. And when I got to the end, said, I don't want to be a biomedical engineer, but I actually love some of my manufacturing engineering courses. So I did get a bit of inspiration for which then I pursued and pivoted and went into manufacturing. Yes, I problem solved. Yes, I had to use a little math, but it might have been a different pursuit <laughs> had I uh, been able to ask better, get questions or get better advice <laughs> along the way. I love what you do because I think your book here talks about just asking better questions, giving people, like you say, the data and science so that they can make the right decisions, not just be told (laughs) what they should do. Neil, you are such a bundle of amazing insights. I love the practicality of what you've shared today. I want people on this podcast, when we're done, to check out your work, get your book, maybe connect with you, have you as a speaker. How can people get a hold of you? They can go to teachthegeek.com. If you want to email me, you can go to hello at teachthegeek.com. And also, I mentioned that I have a a YouTube channel and a podcast. You can check out the interview I did with Deb and and the many other interesting people that I've been able to interview. If you want to check out the YouTube channel, it's youtube.teachthegeek.com. And the podcast is anchor.fm slash teach the geek. All right. We'll get all of that in the show notes. I am just so grateful to know you. You're a bundle of really, really great information. I wish you success in the work that you do to help other STEM professionals and others be able to have more effective communications and make an impact. So thank you so much for being an amazing guest. Thanks for having me again. Thank you for listening to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. My new book, CEO's Compass, will change the way you think about leadership navigate rapid transformation and elevate the leaders of tomorrow. If you're feeling off track, the CEO's Compass Assessment will guide you to peace of mind in days, not months. You can learn more about the CEO's Compass by visiting my website at dropinceo.com. Now go out and lead, inspire, and achieve your goals.